Amen and amen. I want to invite you to open your Bible to Mark chapter 14. Mark 14, verses 22 to 25. Open your copy of God's Word this morning. Chapter 14, verses 22 to 25. <clears throat> this is what the Word of God says. Mark 14, 22 to 25. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to them, and he said this, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them this, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Verse 24, he said, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. Here we are the third Sunday in this little sub-series for the first 25 verses of Mark 14, considering a life poured out. Because we have this most superior example of God himself pouring his very life out on behalf of all humanity. And over the course of the last two Sundays, we've looked at a couple examples. On one side, we have an example, in case you may have forgotten, an example worthy of following, the example of Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. And she chose to receive faith on Jesus. She chose to respond in obedience to who Jesus was. And we saw that her calling, her life poured out didn't matter her resources, didn't matter her reputation. She poured it out completely because she knew truly who Jesus was. But then just last Sunday, remind you as an example, we just need to completely avoid. In fact, an example that we saw from Scripture, in fact, just showed us more of what not to do rather than what to do. See, where Mary was willing, based on Jesus, to sacrifice all of her resources all of her so-called reputation within this world, Judas, what he did was the exact opposite. He rejected faith on Jesus. And his surrendered path, what it did was it revealed that he sacrificed the opportunity to play a beautiful role in God's sovereign plan. To the point where this very day, even, would have been better if that man were never Born. But today, church, pitted here between a worthy example and one to completely avoid, we have a life poured out, superior, second to none, that of Jesus himself. And it's right here in, in exactly what he says in these few verses we approach this morning. And where Jesus um, shows here is that other than just Mary having a life poured out of resources, reputation, and response, and other than Judas, a life pouring out where it reveals God's sovereign plan and Judas is a surrendered path of life, here in Jesus' life poured out, we are reminded that his life poured out is one of covenantal communion. Covenantal communion. I know two kind of big words. I'm not the best at articulating things. The life poured out by Jesus, as highlighted here, was one of covenantal 
communion. So the first question is, well, what in the world, pastor, do you mean by covenantal? Because if you don't clarify what it means and if you don't give me a biblical basis for it, I'm not following you the rest of the way in this message. To which I appreciate your sincerity there in following Jesus. So let's check it out. If you've already opened up your dictionary app or if you have your handy dandy uh, six pound or ten pound American Heritage Dictionary, the word covenant there in the letter C, covenant means some type of agreement between two or more parties. Where they come into covenant with one another, they agree upon something to which they come for a purpose together there. So there's a, a covenant, this agreement between multiple parties. But as followers of Jesus... For as helpful as the English language might be, we never stop there. We take the totality of Scripture, God's special revelation, and allow that always to shape and provide the final formations of our understanding of the world around us. And so we take this English word covenant, which means some type of agreement, but then we come to Scripture, and what Scripture says what the Word of God says by way of the Son of God here in Mark 14 is that a covenant is not just some contractional agreement between multiple parties, but it's something more because of the grace of Jesus. A covenant is not a contract that, that comes in and you sign on the dotted line so that you can condemn one another. A covenant is relational. So you come signed by the blood of Jesus Say, we're in this together. Jesus says, the covenant he has provided through his broken body and the shedding of his blood is a new covenant, a once-for-all covenant that is relational, a covenant that can best be defined as this. Pouring out of life for the sake of another. The most accurate biblical understanding of the term covenant, and this is where I'm going to repeat it a couple of times because it's important you write this down and remember, it's not the secular definition because that is insufficient. We take our English language, combine it with the Word of God so that we have the spiritual, eternal perspective. Covenant is this, a pouring out of life for the sake of another. Because that's exactly what our Savior said here. Here's the covenant. That which I'm pouring out to you, he broke his body. He spilled his blood for the sake of all humanity. And by way of Jesus pouring out his very life for the sake of another, it affords humanity the opportunity to then, by way of that covenant, by way of his life being poured out, to come into fellowship, to come into community with God himself. To come into authentic community, that which all humanity is made for. To come into real connected relationships with our maker and with other believers that lead to ongoing spiritual transformation. So here in the life poured out by Jesus himself is a life of covenantal communion. I've got two reasons I want to share with you why that's the case. Because it's who God is. And it's how God operates. The life poured out by Jesus is one of covenantal communion because it's who he is and it's how he operates. 
So let's look at that first one. The life poured out by Jesus is of covenantal communion because God exists in covenantal communion. Go back with me a few years. Actually, go back with me many years. In fact, go back with me before time was ever spoke into motion. What theologians call eternity past, where it was just the Trinitarian Godhead in perfect communal, covenantal fellowship with one another. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. See, God is the supreme being of three persons, one God who has always existed in covenantal community with one another. God the Father has always perfectly been in this harmonious, unhindered relationship with God the Son by way of the unity provided and sustained and fulfilled by God the Spirit. There's that community they've always had. They always have now. They always will have an eternity future. But notice it's just not community. It's not just this communion and communal nature of the Trinitarian Godhead. But in fact, it truly is covenantal. We, we see it throughout Scripture. It's this covenant that's existing between the two of them. Think about creation. At creation in this covenantal communion of the Trinitarian Godhead there. God the Father speaks, let there be lights. And what do we know from the New Testament? By Jesus, in Jesus, for Jesus, all things have been made. See, God the Father spoke and said, let there be lights. And out of that covenantal relationship, then Jesus goes and he carries out what God the Father wills for him to accomplish. And then God the Spirit, who affords the fulfillment of all that which God the Father and God the Son want to be about, he goes and sustains it and completes it. There has always existed within God this covenantal communion of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I know it might feel a little heavy right now. Hang with me. It's not just at creation we see him existing and operating this way. We also see it happening at salvation. Colossians 1 tells us that in the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, the fullness of deity is pleased to dwell. But even there, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, God himself, even Jesus surrenders himself fully to God the Father. There's this covenantal aspect between God the Father and God the Son. There's this pouring out of one to another so that they might accomplish the purposes they're all called to. Where it says, God so loved the world, God the Father, that he sent his only begotten Son, God the Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That at the instantaneous moment of sincere profession of faith, God the Holy Spirit then comes and dwells inside of you as a believer, never to be the same again. God is covenantal as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God is covenantal in this community as the Trinity, at creation, at salvation. We see it's exactly how he's operated all throughout Scripture. Look at the Mosaic covenants. So we have a life poured out by Jesus. 
is this one of covenantal communion, this, this covenant of pouring out of life for the sake of another. And by way of this covenant, you're invited to come into fellowship with God. We see it displayed in the Mosaic Covenant there, the, the law and the sacrificial system. Exodus 12 gives us a glimpse of the Passover we'll look at in just a second. But when we look at a life poured out by Jesus, the operations of God himself as being covenantal. The Mosaic Covenant, the law, the sacrificial system. What took place? What was required in that system? Well, the covering of sin was required for someone to come into relationship or fellowship with God. So what happened on an annual basis? In that sacrificial system, there was this ongoing pouring out of life for the sake of others that they might come into relationship with God. The lives of animals, the shedding blood of animals were spilled out, poured out time and time again that humanity might have the opportunity to fellowship with God, their maker. This covenant, the pouring out of life for the sake of of others, And then we come to Mark 14, this familiar passage of the Lord's Supper being instituted. And everything taking place in Mark 14, it's, it's all in this setting, as it says at the opening, and then just where we read as well. It's all within the setting of the Passover, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. And, and some of us, being very American, are like, that doesn't really do anything for me. Like, I, I've heard of it in church, but like, really, where does that find itself? How is it situated? Okay, well, as Americans... Think Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? That instantly and immediately registers big time holiday. Not just in our own homes, but like truly cultural shifting time of year. That's what would take place every year during the month of Nisan as far as the Jewish calendar went. Now the month of Nisan, sometime around our March and April months, and what would take place is the population of Jerusalem during this time would multiply three, four, sometimes five times its size, having millions of people now converging on Jerusalem for Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, what's taking place here. For us, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but for the Jews, it meant everything. Once a year, they would come to Jerusalem, make that pilgrimage. The month of Nisan, 14 days in, they would celebrate that, then shortly after the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and here we have Jesus with his disciples. Going back up to chapter 14, verse 12, it was on the first day of unleavened bread when they sacrificed the Passover lamb. His disciples were asking, what must we do to prepare for the Passover and to eat of it? So they were getting ready for this annual remembrance of something that took place in the past. We know from our Sunday school lessons it's remembering and celebrating what happened when the Jews were enslaved by the Egyptians for 400 plus years. God's people were enslaved. They were mistreated. They were unable to worship and pursue God as they were called to do so as his people. So God raised up a stellar of a leader in the eyes of the world. Moshe, Moses. There was sarcasm there if you missed it. He was old. No, not old by way like us, okay? He was old. He was 80 when God called him. He was 80 when he started back. Not only was he old, but he couldn't talk worth a flip either. He stuttered. 
he really didn't have anything physical in nature to offer, but God called him and said, I'm going to use you as a tool, as an instrument for my people to find deliverance. So by way of Moses, God sent these ten plagues to Egypt and hoping that Pharaoh would choose to surrender himself and his human responsibility to, to surrender himself and make a choice of faith and believing on this God of Israel. He ended up not doing that. And so God goes through a series of hardening his heart, giving him opportunity, hardening his heart. And ultimately, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. The ten plagues culminate with the tenth and final plague of the angel of death passing over every household. But Moses tells the people, for your life to be spared, for you to experience a passing over of death to life, take the blood of a pure and spotless lamb. So they take a lamb, not one that was weak or about to die, but one that was filled with life. In fact, their most pure and spotless one, their most prized lamb, and they would take it, and at the, the base of the, under the doorpost there, the doorway, they would take its life by, by cutting its throat, and the blood would be spilt there in a bowl made on the ground. And they would take that blood shed, the pouring out of life, and would spread it on the doorpost across the top on the sides, so that by the pouring out of life for the sake of another, they would find life. And for 1,500 years now, at this point in Jesus' ministry, his ministry is only about three years, okay? At 1,500 years in this point of history, the nation of Israel had celebrated and remembered that first Passover, where God, who is a God who is one of covenants and community, poured himself out, represented in this lamb, so that now Jesus and his disciples are preparing for the once-for-all ultimate pouring out. I mean, anybody, right? I mean, Jews still today celebrate Passover, they still remember when the angel of death came and the life of the, the lamb was poured out to spare their people from death and deliver them out of slavery and deliver them into life and following after God. But if we look at this and anybody who sincerely, objectively looks at it, it's a no-brainer. It's undeniable, the foreshadowing, the symbolism that in that original Passover, thousands of years ago, it represented something to come. And Jesus here in Mark 14 is saying, this is my body that's broken for you. This is my very blood that will be shed, poured out to establish a covenant in which I am pouring myself out for your sake to come into relationship with me and God the Father. To the point where the very next day after the setting, the very next day, Jesus God the Son, the Lion of Judah, who first come to do the work of a lamb as the Lamb of God, is crucified on a cross at the precise moment the annual Passover lamb is also sacrificed. The life poured out by Jesus is one of covenantal communion because he is a God who exists 
in covenantal community. He is a God who operates out of covenantal community. But get this, I told you two points, but there's one free that's a bonus here that makes the difference in all of our lives because God exists in covenantal community and he operates out of covenantal community. He invites you into his covenantal community. And you missed it, but that's where you shout hallelujah and praise the Lord. Because while you were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. While we were enemies of the cross, the Lamb of God took our place. So we come to this point of application and we see that God truly does invite every one of us into covenantal communion with him. So what does that look like for 2021? First and foremost, it's personal relationship with God. We're far from him because of our sin. And if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, he is inviting you to place your faith on all he has done for the sake of humanity. Your broken, sinful condition deserves a tormenting death as on a cross. Not only do we deserve that type of death, but then we deserve, because of our sin, to be eternally condemned by God and eternally separated from God. Oh, but God came and lived a life perfectly, died a death so tragically, was buried in a borrowed grave, but conquered death, pouring himself out for your sake. And he invites you today, in just a moment, when I shut my mouth and we remind one another of God's truth by way of singing one final time this morning, God invites you today to make the choice to pour your life out in response to how he's poured himself out to enter in by faith covenantal communion with him. That's first and foremost, but also out of that church family especially, God invites us into covenantal communion. Based on the life poured out by Jesus that is covenantal community, we're invited to participate in that as well. That just as Jesus poured himself out for our sake, we take the 59 one another's of Scripture and we commit ourselves in covenant as followers of Jesus that based on what he's done for me, I covenant with you to pour myself out for your sake. That's exactly what we do here. Since June last year, we've welcomed 30 new households who have walked through our membership process of covenant membership. Man, God is so good. You missed that too. Come on, church. Like 30 households, eternities changed and plugged into authentic community we've been made for. Can we praise God for that? Somewhat, yeah. Keep going, Colton. Yeah, kids lead the way. Let it out, guys. I got like four more minutes. I'm on a clock. So here at Katie's First, we sincerely pursue that. It's not about signatures, though. It's about shepherding. Because a good shepherd laid his life down for us, so we lay down our lives for one another. We're committed to that. We covenant with one another in community, just as he's covenanted with us 
in that eternal community. It's relational. It's us pouring out our lives for the sake of others. So what does that look like? Is it committing to perfection? Heck to the no, okay? Not a chance. The only person perfect is Jesus. But what I love about our our covenant membership with the new members, we always highlight this. We are covenanting to pursue a life. It's not about perfection, but that direction of pursuit. And in fact, what that's implying, I tell every person this. I told five new households this last week that have been going through our membership process. I told them, notice that phrase. You are covenanting with us to pursue a life. What you're saying, what that implies is, I know I'm going to mess up. But even in knowing I'm going to royally mess up, just as I will as a believer and you will as a believer, we covenant with one another. We pour ourselves out toward one another knowing that when we do mess up, we're not abandoning each other. When our marriages feel like they're falling apart, we don't say, hey, the church is not a place for that. you got to put your good face on. But no, church is the best place for that. Come in and let's bandage our wounded. That's the covenantal community we see demonstrated by God himself and Jesus, our bridegroom. And for as good as the example of Mary is, and for as helpful a teaching opportunity the example of Judas is, what does the reality that Jesus exists in this covenant community and extends the offer to you mean in your life today? So those are the two clear invitations to respond to God's word today as we sing a final song. Would you accept, would you receive God's invitation to you to do one of two things? Maybe it's for the first time in your life for you to make a profession of faith, that you recognize the word of God through this inerrant word from God has poured his life out for the sake of you, that you might have restored, reconciled relationship with your maker. And today, as we sing in just a moment, you race down this aisle, and and me or or Meredith would love to talk with you and help you understand what those steps look like. But maybe you've been here for a while, and you've been visiting, and you know who this God is. You know of the greatness and goodness directed toward you always. And you even know you're made for authentic community, but you're not officially belonging to a local Bible-believing church. Would you respond by faith to God's invitation to this covenantal community, God's plan A, until he returns? So I want to invite you to stand, stretch it out a little bit. I want to pray over us, and I encourage you, I cannot encourage you enough. This is our most sacred moment of the week. Hold the bladder, hold the emails, sincerely ask God to show you how to respond faithfully in this moment. Let me pray.